This is Unearthed, a podcast brought to you by the WBRU News Team, and I'm your host, Audrey Kim. This is a two-part series that includes our other episode, Michael. Both of these episodes focus on how two different individuals have handled the discovery that a close friend has sexually assaulted someone. You can listen to either of them in any order. Here's reporter Chloe Burns. Maria is 23 years old, a recent college graduate working at a film and TV production company. We're sitting down today to talk about her friend John, whose name we've changed. She's restless, fidgeting with a water bottle. He's, he's the most that I've struggled with this issue of being friends with someone who has been accused of sexual assault or who I know did something wrong, but he's actually... Like, off the top of my head, I can think of four examples, well, including him, can think of four examples of people who I have either been close to or even, like, hooked up with who have been accused of sexual assault, even though that assault wasn't against me. I used to think that that spoke to, like, I was like, wow, I really know how to pick them. Uh, I just thought that that was because I was bad at making friends with good people. But in, but now that I think about it, I think it's just an example of how uh, rape culture and sexual assault is an epidemic. Vilifying perpetrators of sexual violence seems easy when it's just a name in the headlines. But what about when we find out our friends, partners, or family members have committed this kind of harm? This is a question that a surprising number of people have to grapple with today— and Maria is struggling to find the right answer in her friendship with John. About a year ago, when the Me Too movement exploded on social media, John posted a Facebook status in support of survivors. Maria says that as soon as John's post went up, girls began commenting on his status, publicly accusing him of sexual assault. When he posted uh, a Facebook post in solidarity with hashtag MeToo, and two different girls um, commented on it and were basically like how dare you pretend that you support the me too movement when you've drunkenly assaulted me at parties i remember being on the phone with him after the those two women posted the accusations on his status and he felt so much remorse or at least it seemed to me from our phone call that he felt so much remorse that I am inclined to believe that he does have good intentions. Maria decided to keep being friends with John, saying she rationalized his behavior. You know, I have—I just have this battle going on in my head where I'm like, you don't have any evidence or proof he's your friend. These girls aren't your friends. You need to stand by him. And in my defense, he didn't deny doing these two sexual assaults. He said that he was too drunk to remember. And that's totally possible. But this wasn't the first time that John had exhibited this kind of behavior. The proof that I have that he might have made these advances without these women's consent when he was completely blackout drunk is that he did the same thing to me when I was in high school. I, I mean, I wasn't drunk, but he definitely made advances when I was giving off very clear no, no signals. Maria met John in high school. She took me back in time to when she was 15 and John was 17. When I was in ninth grade, I was the only ninth grader 
who was in the fall play. So that was the first time that I really was forced to go out of my comfort zone and hang out with people who were older. John and his friends were all smart and did theater. Maria aspired to be like them. Hanging out with these upperclassmen made her feel cool and special. What really brought Maria and John close was their ability to have open conversations about sexual orientation, a subject that wasn't always accepted at their high school. I now identify as bi slash pansexual, but back then I, 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 even though I had seen it on the internet, it just, it didn't really sink in that bisexuality was an option that I could even like an option for a label for myself. I thought like, oh my God, do I just want to label myself this way because I want attention because that's what people would say to me. So it was really nice to have someone who not only listened to me, but he um, he was a lot more, as the kids say, woke than a lot of other people at our school. So he was one of the first people who told me like, you don't not like you can identify as bisexual, but you also don't have to label your sexual orientation. You can just like the people who you like and it's really no one's business but yours. He was a supportive and important person in her life. Being an A-plus student in math, he began to tutor Maria as she was struggling with high school-level math. When he came over to tutor me, um, there was definitely sexual tension between us. That made me really nervous, and it, it was half nervous because if because it felt very wrong, but you know, half excited that this that this older person, that this senior was interested in me. Um, Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to more on that. They began hooking up during their tutoring sessions. You know, there's the dark side of things where I can say, like, he did pressure me. And and it does now make me feel, even then, make me feel uncomfortable. And I don't know what to do with that information. I had this idea in my head that it was cool to have the older person, the teacher, like you. At this point, her hands start to shake and she looks down. It's clear Maria needs a minute to gather herself. When we start talking again, the conversation shifts to how TV programs, especially those geared towards teens, glorify relationships between older men and teenage girls. There was a part of me that liked the fact that we had this kind of secret relationship. I was obsessed with the first, well, at least for the first two seasons, I was obsessed with the show Pretty Little Liars. I fashioned my my whole wardrobe. I fashioned after Aria. She was 16 and she meets their English teacher there, Mr. Fitz, or their future English teacher. And he's 22. He just graduated from college and he's a writer. So then they like make out in the bathroom and then, you know, she realizes he's She goes on to explain how in so many movies, when girls avoid boys' advances, everyone cheers the boy on to keep trying. When asking her parents about consent, she realizes they were never taught about it either. If movies aren't teaching me, and there's no real class at my school that taught me what consent was, they just taught me that rape was bad, but they didn't teach me what, what strong, affirmative, real consent is. And then my parents don't even haven't really ever even been educated about what consent was or what consent is, then how am I supposed to learn? And that's where it's tangled up too, because then how am I also supposed to expect John to know what consent is? 
John and Maria have been just friends since he left for college. But looking back to her history with John, an older boy, her tutor, causes her to think back on what consent means to her now versus what it meant to her as a teen in high school. My view of consent or my knowledge of what consent even was was so different back then that my my perception of the events that happened were very different back then than they are right now. That's why it's so difficult looking back at high school and how uncomfortable I am about everything that happened because and that's why it's such a big gray area because I can't I can't I I I just can't bring myself to put any kind of blame on John for not understanding that gray area when we weren't given the tools by our parents who are from a different generation or by our teachers um, who taught like a very scientific form of sexual education, but very little about consent. All of this really hit me when just by chance, John texted me during the Kavanaugh hearings and just seeing his name on his, on my phone, I was like, oh my God, what, what am I, what have I been doing? friend of mine was in a situation where she was assaulted and I was and a lot of people knew about it and I was furious at she was assaulted by one of my friends and I was furious at the people who continued to be friends with that man and then during the Kavanaugh hearings I just had this moment I was mad at these people for remaining friends with this known assaulter am I Am I a giant hypocrite? And yeah, I guess I am because I'm continuing to be friends with someone after people have come out against him. Maria felt confused about what to do. John and Maria had been friends for such a long time, and she knew him as a good person, but also as someone who had done these things to her and other women. But again, I like I said, I'm split because there's half of me that thinks that he has good intentions and that he's just a product of our society. And he wouldn't have done those things if he wasn't blackout drunk. And then there's the other half of me that is like, what he did was inexcusable. And it's really hard for me to reconcile those two things and to realize that those two things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Throughout the Kavanaugh hearings, texts from John started mounting in her inbox. After days without a reply, she decided she had to say something. This is what she texted him. I've had a hard time thinking of what to say because my own feelings are so muddled and confused. I'm sure your newsfeed, media, and conversations like mine have been inundated with stats about sexual assault, anti-Kavanaugh sentiments, etc. Seeing all of this on a daily basis has brought up a lot of stuff for me. Stuff about high school and college and also stuff about our relationship. I have feelings about our relationship that I want to forget because we were both young and dumb and I know that the school we came from didn't teach us about consent or foster an environment of consent. And while the feelings of discomfort are still there, we were all ignorant. Some things are hard to let go when you're being constantly reminded of them, though. To build on that, I've spent so much energy in college being disgusted with the friends of the boy who assaulted my friend, and the hearings unearthed the guilt in me that I've been trying to ignore. If you were accused of assault, 
and I ignored that, am I the same as them? And it's hard to say all of this because you and I are so similar and I know how deeply you feel. And I know, and I know, and I, and I don't know what happened between you and those girls, but I know that whatever it was, you feel terribly and want to be a better person. The reason I've taken so long to reach out is because I don't know what I want from saying any of this. Is it a dialogue or space or to end our friendship? We've been through so much together. There's no manual for what to do with all of these conflicting events and feelings. And lastly, I want to apologize because I know how isolating this must be. And I know I was one of the people you could go to about this kind of stuff. And he responded very respectfully saying, I hear everything you're saying and I understand and respect your feelings. I'm open to talking, but I also understand if you need space. I love you and I value our friendship. Maria hasn't responded to John since and doesn't know if she will either. So it's just a huge gray area because I don't know what happened. And I don't know, do I remain friends with him and push him to be a better person? Or have have there been enough incidents that I should cut off this friendship and I still and I I still don't know what I should do. The reason that I was so scared to talk about this today is not because talking about these events is too triggering for me. It's because I wish that I could come in here with a very clear answer like these things happened and I know what I need to do about it. I know that I can't be friends with him anymore or I know that I should remain friends with him and help him become the better person that I know he wants to be. But I can't say either of those things. I have no idea what I should do Um, because no one ever talks about what you do when you're a friend or brother or father or son or daughter or anyone close to you is accused of sexual assault. This episode is brought to you by the WBRU News Team in Providence, Rhode Island. Special shout out to Ellie Morimoto, Elise Hart Kipnis, John Klein, and Chris Bannon for their help. Also, big thanks to Credo Duarte and Alex Stewart for scoring our intro music, and Yashi Wang for our swanky graphics. The mission of Unearthed is to have people talk to one another, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave us your comments on iTunes, or DM us on Instagram, or email us. Thank you for listening.